This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Don't change that dial. It's time for Navigating the Newsroom. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Andrew. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to episode number eight of Navigating the Newsroom with Andrew and Andrew. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Andrew Robinson. And this is the show on Film Geek Radio devoted exclusively to discussion and analysis of the HBO series The Newsroom. Today we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 7 of the show. It's an episode entitled 5-1. It was written by Aaron Sorkin, of course, and it was directed by Joshua Marston, who some of our listeners may also know as the director of the films Maria Full of Grace and The Forgiveness of Blood. But before we dive into this episode, it is my pleasure to introduce a very special guest. She is a writer for Film School Rejects and Real Vixen, Gwen Reyes. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrews. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, we had your colleague uh, Allison Loring on the show last week, and we had a really good conversation. And now uh, we're very excited to talk to you as well. Oh, I'm excited. I lo- this is one of my favorite shows right now, so I'm more than happy to provide my opinion of it. (laughs) All right. Well, then let's dive into things. Uh, Andrew, why don't you go ahead and give us a recap of this week's episode? Um, So this week, the prime minister of Syria defected. And guys, the Olympics is still going on. Usain Bolt set an Olympic record this week. (laughs) (laughs) I, I meant I meant this week's episode this week's episode of the newsroom, not what you saw on the actual news this week. But Jamaica Jamaica has renewed faith that we are the fastest country in the world. It's great, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to I have to first of all, before we get there, yesterday, August sixth, was Jamaica's fiftieth independence. I, I know you guys are American, I'm Jamaican. I just want to take a moment to say happy birthday, Jamaica. <laughs> I'm sorry I wasn't there to be to see to see it. <laughs> Maybe they'll cover it next season on the newsroom. You never know. <laughs> Go ahead before we before we discuss the episode. Remind our listeners what happened. Okay, so this week on the newsroom, they killed Osamo. That's pretty much all that happened. <laughs> That's a pretty good uh, good recap. That about sums it up. <laughs> there was also some stuff with a uh, mysterious phone call to Charlie. Uh, from a, uh, when when did any of that matter this week? They killed <laughs> Osama bin Laden, but not they. I mean, America did not not Will right. McAvoy. Will McAvoy did not go <laughs> over and shoot Osama. He was busy doing other things. Yes, but I think I think I think what they really meant was Aaron Sorkin did it. Oh, yes, <laughs> that makes more sense. Yes, there was a there was a strange phone call to Charlie. Uh, there was a revelation at the end of the episode. That um, AWN may involve may be involved in a in a phone hacking scandal, as you mentioned. Gwen Will McAvoy ate some brownies and got really high at a party. And Don and Elliot and Sloan were stuck on the tarmac at the airport, stuck in the plane. So, Gwen, let's start off with you. Uh, you mentioned earlier that. The newsroom is one of your favorite shows, so I. Whenever we have guests on, I, I like to ask, you know, what what do you really think of the show so far in general, and also what did you think of this episode? In general, um, my my problem is that I came in and I I enjoyed his other one, Sports Night. I have never seen an episode of The West Wing. Do not send pitchforks or torches to my house. I apologize. So I really came in with my sorkinness with with uh, new with that one that he won the Oscar for the network social network. I'm sorry, guys, I'm exhausted, <laughs> but I right. really, really enjoy the newsroom and it has a lot to do with, I feel, yes, I feel like it can get, can get a little preachy that sometimes I really don't like the way that Sorkin writes women, but I think it's really fun. And I think that all of the characters, the actors on screen seem to really believe and seem to really enjoy what they're doing. Um, and I really am just so impressed with Jeff Daniels' turn in this show. I think that Will McAvoy is probably one of the best written characters that we've seen on television in the last like six or seven months. So um, not to discount Ned Stark or anything, I, I just really think that HBO has got a really flawed but enjoyable character with Will McAvoy. Um, but for as for this episode... 
I felt like it was kind of a little contrived, like how convenient was it that this was the one year and one week anniversary of the revamped newsroom or news hour? You know, like little things like that. I just felt like we're really over pushing what what the show is about and what's going on in the show. And so I had a, I did have some little issues with that, but, and I'm also getting a little sick of the love triangle and everybody hating on Don. Cause I actually, I am in a rare boat where I enjoy Don and Maggie a lot. Well, then you and I are going to get along just fine because Don is actually my favorite character. I really enjoy him. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Well, um, uh, our, our main topic that we're going to talk about this week is, of course, how they handled uh, the killing of Osama bin Laden and, and what role that played in the episode. But before we move on to that, what, what were just your general thoughts about some of the other things in this episode? Uh, you mentioned you're kind of getting tired of the love triangle. Is it just the, you know, kind of that Jim and Pam dynamic, we know you're going to get together, just hurry up and do it already? What, what is it really that that you're tired of. You know, it's funny as I actually, I really like, I, I like the idea in the back of my head of Maggie and Jim one day getting together, but I don't think that either of them are in their place right now. So I'm kind of just tired of it. Like, you know, let them flirt a little bit, let Jim date Lisa or not date Lisa or date Lisa again, as we saw throughout this episode, I kind of want to see a little bit more maturity between Don and and Maggie, because I think that there, and maybe it's just me being older and looking back and just kind of seeing it and being like, there needs, there, there's something there. And yeah, they keep breaking up and they don't, but I just, I want to, I just want to reprieve on the Maggie and Jim bit for a little while. Maybe come back to it next season. I don't really care. Let them both have their own relationships and then find each other naturally, but they keep finding each other because their relationships and their other situations aren't going the way they want them to. And it's just, it's just a little overwrought. Well, Andrew, what did you think of that part of the episode? And what did you think of the episode in general? I, I've got the impression from some things that you said on Twitter that maybe you weren't such such a huge fan of this episode of the show. So so you want to know how I felt about the, the Maggie, Jim, and Lisa storyline? Sure. It, it wasn't there. The Maggie, Jim, and Lisa weren't in this episode. Will ran away from a car and... Charlie got a phone call, but none of that mattered because you guys killed Osama bin Laden. <laughs> okay. this, show liter- this show literally spent two-thirds of the episode reminding me Osama <laughs> bin Laden died. <laughs> well, it, you know, just in case you forgot. Just in you know. case. <laughs> okay, so so you just hated the whole episode? Well... I mean, I I really want to imagine that watching the first five minutes of this episode, if Will gets high and starts a band with Jim, that would make an awesome episode. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> he has to start a band with Jim and Charlie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is Charlie vocals? Is that what he's doing? Or is he the cowbell? Yeah, Charlie can, Charlie can play cowbell. Cowbell. More cowbell. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, this this episode, it's 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 a, an abomination of television. <laughs> wow, <laughs> right? Strong um, words. So when... so is it safe to assume that you, you know there have been some episodes that you and I didn't like of the newsroom? Is it safe to say that you feel this is the worst episode of the show so far? Pretty much, right? Because wow. when when the show started out, right, we had our we had our quibbles about this and that, and and I gave it a I gave it a a a, a, a pass at that point because I'm like every show needs a starting point, and they used that they used showing the BP oil spill as to show what they can do, and while it bothered me, I was like, guess what? I let it pass, but they went a step further only seven weeks later. To have to give me this episode, in which everyone just has a grin on their face, we killed Osama bin Laden. And, yeah, but and, Will, but Will <laughs> reported that news high. Just nobody knew about that. No, yeah. no, no. Literally every character in this show had a smile on their face for two thirds of the episode, just going, "Guess what, guys? We killed Osama bin Laden." <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 are you saying you feel like nothing really happened? 
Yes, it was just nothing kind of really a, let's happened. be happy and remember that we killed Osama and that was good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I did get some, I did get a laugh having the show remind me that The Rock knew this before the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember when this happened and I remember that coming out and everyone going, how does The Rock know this? And I found that hysterical. But otherwise, I don't need a 60 minute show reminding me. America killed Osama bin Laden. <laughs> okay, so you, so you do you, do you just not even want to comment on the uh, the love triangle? <laughs> what love triangle? <laughs> there was there was none. <laughs> I mean, okay, all right. Um, they finally addressed the fact that Jim and Maggie have something that they still refuse to admit, and it gets to the point where Lisa recognizes it and says, "You know what? This isn't going to work out." I'm all right with it. Thank you so much for all the ha- happy times, but this isn't going to work out. And we get this weird, funny scene of of Maggie trying to trying to deny it, and it's kind of all right. But that is literally one minute of the episode. So, what did you say when she said, "I love you"? I said, "I love you too." Of course, you did. Anything else seemed rude. And then you just told her again. No, what I said was, and I do too, which means. That I love me, and I do. I look in the mirror, and I like what I see. And I've been on a journey of self-discovery to answer the question, who is Jim Harper, and what... Shut up! Okay. You can't keep telling her you love her if you don't. Which is why, frankly, I would have preferred not to take the call. You think blaming me is going to be a winning strategy? No. What are you going to do now? Well, obviously, I have to leave the country. You have to break up with her. Why? You can't have a relationship where one person's here and the other person's there. Really? Where's Don? Don's on a plane back from D.C. And was that a dig wrapped in a metaphor? No. I think it was a dig wrapped in a metaphor. Okay. Well, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Andrew, and say that while I think some of the execution of of this development in the the romance, I think some of it was a bit clunky, um, I kind of like the idea that now... Jim is actually going to keep pursuing uh, Lisa. And he's going to ask her out again. Uh, and, you know, he, he's sort of acknowledging, yes, I'm infatuated with Maggie, but who knows, maybe that's unrealistic, and maybe that is keeping me from a special relationship with someone else. So I like the fact that now it looks like he and Lisa might actually stick together I, I, I kind of think it would be really cool if Jim and Maggie never wind up together. Ever. If they just kind of end up going their own separate ways and what we thought was going to happen in season one of the show never materializes and they both move on and they both have happy lives and that that would that would be realistic to me. So I'm I'm kind of happy with that development. What do, what do you think about that, Gwen? I just don't think that Sorkin really will do that for you. <laughs> I think that Sorkin's going to tease this out for longer than it needs to be teased. And then finally give in. And then, yeah, and then the show will be over. And Because I just feel like my, my – because my problem is I just feel like it's such an important part of the story that doesn't need to be important. Like I'm not into their relationship that much. I'm not invested. It's not a Jim and Pam for me. It's really just kind of like – when she's she yes when she's with him he he's patient with her and 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 nicer to her than than Don ever is but Don still wants the best for her and i just feel like maybe i'd like to see more focusing on Will and and Mac than i would on this relationship for a little while i'd even like to see Neil in another you know see more of him and his his girlfriend that would be fun or Sloan with another boy. But that relationship, that love triangle, I'm just kind of like, I'm over it for right now. Right. I mean, uh, you know, earlier um, during the beginning of the season, um, Andrew, you and I m- did mention that it was very similar to the Jim and Pan relationship from, from The Office. And I, I, I really do think it would be awesome if Sorkin just tried to subvert that and turn that expectation upon its head and say, you know what? The office, that's not real life. That does, that's not how things work. So it, I, it'll be nice if 
you know, Jim and Maggie, if if that kind of doesn't, if that's not a, a main part of the show for a while, and if it's just Maggie and Don and uh, Jim and Lisa, I agree with you. I think that would that would probably be for the best. And maybe it will. I mean, he did clean out his entire writing staff, so he tries to say that he didn't, but he, right. let's be honest with ourselves. He cleaned out his writing staff. So maybe maybe, uh, maybe we'll see a different focus next season. Yeah, maybe. Well, let, let, let's talk about the big reveal here, um, and that, that's the, uh, the fact that there's this mysterious guy who's going by the code name Left for Dinner. Or late for dinner, excuse me. No, no, no. Um, His code name is Deep Throat. No, that's not allowed. Okay? <laughs> you can't do that. Charlie's right. <laughs> that is not allowed. <laughs> His code name is late for dinner. And um, he basically tips off Charlie that something major is going to be happening. And then at the end of the episode, he implies that there, uh, there, there could be a big uh, phone hacking scandal that... AWN is involved in with its with its tabloid. Uh, Gwen, what did you think of that reveal? You know, it's interesting. I was reading a, I was reading a bunch of blogs um, in preparation for today's chat, and I, when I saw it, I was kind of like, "Oh, okay." You know, like it made sense to me. I was kind of a little dubious over the the initial introduction of Late for Dinner of how he, you know, is able to have all this secret information that we don't know about. But I liked the reveal at the end that you know, watch out for, for this. Cause it makes sense. It makes sense that they've been building the whole network to be up to something like, you know, Fox or, or, um, Rupert Murdoch's. It, it makes sense to me and I, I enjoy it. I think that there's a, there's contention on the internets about if people like it or not, but I, I think it's gonna make sense. I think it's gonna be really fun because I think people, people being, um, TMI, TMI, that's the name of it. Yeah. Are still, pissed off at will and they have the determined to kind of bring him down and i think it's i i'm kind of excited to see how it's going to play out for the next three episodes i'm excited too that that was actually my favorite part of this whole episode was that idea that there is some sort of a secret guy out there who's keeping track of things and who could be a, a, a whistleblower of sorts um, and then that reveal that there is this larger scheme going on because mm-hmm. t- to me you know, the, one of the more interesting parts of the show has been kind of that whole political situation and the inner workings of the, the office and the corporation and who's trying to get who fired and who wants to take the show in one way and, you know, versus the ratings and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and that was my favorite episode so far of the season was the third episode when we have the back and forth. I think it was the third episode, wasn't it? The Tea Party yes. one where where Jane Fonda was in it. I loved that episode. I loved all the nuances in it. And I think that this is a really great throwback to that. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, they haven't just let that slide and that it does look like there, there is something really big going on. That's going to, to um, come to a head here in the last couple episodes of the season. Andrew, did you like that at all? I mean, I'm not gonna be there on the bush. All these other things, while 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 they're kind of there and they're they're pointing towards a direction, I almost I'm not gonna say ignored it because of how big a problem I had with other things in this episode, but it felt to me as if I'm I'm getting to the point where I feel Sorkin isn't getting that the news isn't supposed to be the subject matter of this show. The news is supposed to be window dressing. So when he's bringing up even this 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 added hint towards the the phone hacking scandal, which I believe happened with Fox, right? Yeah, in in England, not here though. Okay, yeah, I don't know how this is actually gonna link back to the news, other than the fact that probably in episode nine we're gonna have Will reporting the fact, oh, we found out there's a phone hacking scandal upstairs our building. Can someone go and arrest someone up there now, please? Yeah. He still doesn't know about that his job was on the line. He still doesn't know about all this stuff that was going on behind the scenes. Like Charlie's kept that to him, kept that to himself still. So it's going to be like this ongoing build where all of this stuff is going to be revealed. You know, it goes back to last week's episode with the death threats and, and, you know, he's piecing things together, but he hasn't really had a full like aha moment yet. No, but Charlie told him about his job security. He told him about all of those issues that were coming. 
Yeah, yeah. He, I believe That's he true. did mention that, that uh, Leona Lansing had said that she wanted to get Will fired. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure he mentioned that. It may have been in like episode. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it was probably yeah. in episode four, which is the episode that we all try to forget because it was awful. <laughs> so An episode which was better than this one. Oh, I don't know if I'd go I'll that take, far. I'll take Coldplay over this episode, everyone. Oh, Oh man, <laughs> strong words. Okay, well, before we get to 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 the Osama stuff, which I can tell is what you really want to talk about, Andrew. Actually, to tell you the truth, it's what I don't want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it 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 colored. It's it's basically colored your entire perception of the episode. So I feel like we have to talk about it uh, eventually. But 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 first, Gwen. Um, one of the issues that has come up repeatedly in conversations about the newsroom is its treatment of women. Mm-hmm. And there was some, some some stuff in this episode with Sloan that has gotten some minor criticism, specifically the fact that um, basically she she gets this email from a fan that, that that's flirt, very flirtatious. She has another guy on the plane that's hitting on her. Um, at one point, uh, Dawn makes a joke that she should strip and it's basically just painting Sloan as just this sex object. Right. How did you feel about that? Have you had issues with the show's treatment of women in, in general? Not I haven't had I haven't had issues with the show's treatment of women. I've had issues with the women on the show. I think that this week's episode was the first time that we actually I mean, we've we've pointed out before that Olivia Munn is beautiful on the show you know someone's a beautiful person they pointed that out before this was very very obvious about her sex you know her sexuality and and how she is of course a beautiful woman on a tv show but my biggest problem has always been and it will always remain mac i cannot stay mackenzie she is the most perfect producer that you can get and her life does not reflect that at all like there's the 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 separation of dichotomy of what who she is professionally and who she is personally just bugs the hell out of me. And, and I, and I had an opportunity last week to see talk about this because there was um for the television Critics association, there was a, a newsroom panel and it made a lot of sense to me after hearing him talk about it. Cause he just doesn't understand how to write women. Like he, he didn't come out and say that he just came out and said that, you know, it's not important to him. he, writes what he wants his women to be like. And he thinks that women should be fluffy and cute and have fluffy and cute issues. And so he can have these strong women, but then they have to be fluffy and cute. And he writes his, he writes both sides of his characters in a very like 1940s Hollywood style where everything is very heightened. And, and you can see a lot of that in Will who has this idealisticness, but then you see like, you see somebody like Mackenzie and then you have Maggie who is also just a mess, but she's 22. So I give her, I give her some space. The only one that's had any brains has been Sloan. But then in the last two episodes, she's had these moments where you're just like, this is not the Sloan we've seen four episodes before that. You know, I know that they just kind of throw her in and try to, and then they make it so that her life represent, you know, her professional life also represents her personal life. And in both of those elements, she is this beautiful, smart woman. Yeah, I've definitely had some issues with the show's treatment of women. Also, how they've characterized Sloan. Um, I actually didn't really mind it as much in this episode, probably because Sloan had such witty dialogue and had some snappy comebacks to most mm-hmm. of it. Um, and she, she just wasn't going to take it. She kind of realized what was happening and was just like, uh, no, you can't do that. Um, and I think that's why I, I didn't really mind it as much. Um, it hasn't been like certain other characters on the show where they'll sort of be undermined or portrayed in a, in, you know, in a superficial way and they just kind of accept it and they just kind of right. take it. I agree with you. She is definitely the strongest female character on the show, I think. Mm-hmm. And she stands up for herself, and that's yes. what's nice about her. Yes, she does. Andrew, did did you have any thoughts about the portrayal of Sloane, or you were just you were just seething at that point? Well, well, I've I've always been seething, but but to be <laughs> honest, Sloane Sloane is one of my favorite characters on this show, and I think the thing with it 
isn't that I feel I don't feel she's getting an unfair shake in this show. I mean, I I do agree with you, Gwen. If of all the people in this show, the only character who is definitely getting the most trouble is Mac. You can kind of ask yourself watching watching so many Sorkin shows um and movies, how many times as a child he sat down watching His Girl Friday over and over again. But the thing with Sloane with me is that I view her as the professional, intelligent woman, but she has this nerdy side, and I, I use that word lightly, nerdy side to her. Where once, once she's she's, you get past the professional, she'll have those quirky moments, like last week when she when she asked Terry Crews if he, she could touch his breast, and this week on the plane, like laughing at the email, like. I, I don't I don't wrong that email. It's the internet. What do you expect on the internet when you get an email when Sloane gets an email? I mean the only thing at that point you can do is control her response to it whether she's going to laugh at it or she's going to be repulsed by it. But it's what happens. I mean that's what it is. So what else is there to say? Um Mac it it is showing more and more every week how they're trying to portray her as this is this perfect mess in the fact that she is able to pull it off, but at the same time, we still want to get those klutzy scenes where we can laugh at her being klutzy. Um, and I guess it's getting more and more unbelievable as, as time goes by. I still enjoy the klutzy scenes, but come on, let's get a bit more a bit more continuity into that character. Right, and I mean, that's just the whole like, slipping on banana peels thing that you know, keeps coming up whenever talking about this show is that they keep trying to use Mac as the butt of all jokes. And I mean, this episode, she was very, very confident, very controlling, kept the newsroom together, kept everything going. So at least there was that. We didn't have to spend any time, not as much time this week dealing with her, A, whatever her issues are still with, with Will four years later. And B, you know, not messing, not knowing how to send an email outright. And then also it's like we we're finally getting to see a little bit of a character that could be interesting. I still want her to get hit by a bus and not be on the season, you know, not be on the show anymore. But my dreams can't come true every time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't stand that woman. I'm sorry. I just I can't. I can't anymore with her. I see her face and I want to punch it. Like it just, I can't. Do you do you think there's any fixing it at this point, or or is it just too far downhill? I'm sure there's always a way of fixing it. Like they could just kind of like send her on a spa and bring her back and she's normal. But I like, and I can't tell if it's something about Emily Mortimer or if it's the character. But she's just such a pathetic, sad sack of a woman, and I just have such a hard time understanding how an embedded journalist who has won Peabody's, could be so pathetic. I, I, I don't think it's Emily Mortimer. I, I think it's the script, and I think it's it's Aaron Sorkin's writing. I, I hope so. Um, and, you know, to be fair to Emily Mortimer, she, she's performing it very well, what's there on the page. and Yeah, she's doing a great job of making me want to punch her in the face. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I really think the, the issue is the writing. We'll have to see if, you know, hopefully next season... If, if, you know, Sorkin now is working with the new group of writers, hopefully that will be improved. But is there, is there anything that either of you would like to say before we move on to our main topic for this week? I still love Don, even when he's weird. I, I love Don, too. <laughs> and he, Neil. I want more Neil. He was a bit of a, of a jerk this episode, but that's kind of who he is. And I really, I, I really like the fact that he cannot shut up about Maggie. Yeah. And that it, it seems that he really cares for her because, you know, in the pilot and, and in the first couple episodes of this season, you know, we were kind of given the impression that maybe he didn't really care or he, he wasn't a, a very good boyfriend. And Jim was sort of portrayed as the answer and just this this noble white knight that could come save Maggie from this this horrible relationship. But now we're actually seeing that Don really does care and he actually does want to be with Maggie. And I, I, I really like that twist. Yeah. Cause he's got feelings and they're not, you know, and it makes sense for this character. Yes. Yeah. I like Don. We should all vote for Don in 2012. <laughs> I vote for Don and Sloan in 2013. <laughs> yes. 
just make the show all about them. Throw Neil, let him like let them have their own little spin-off like tabloid show, and we get to interview. Be- we get to have Bigfoot there. It would be it would be great. Yes, and Don can be lead anchor, and 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 take over for Will. And no, I want Sloan to rock this. She can do it. She okay. can handle it. Okay. Okay. And then she translates Hungarian for us. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, let's talk about the the big major subplot for this episode, which is the killing of Osama bin Laden and how the the news team goes about reporting that. Andrew, was there anything really specific that you you hated about how they handled it or was it just the fact that they spent so much time on it that bothered you <laughs> all right let me ask you a question andrew sure throughout all of this as you call it subplot um of will mcavoy going and killing osama bin laden what did you learn i learned absolutely nothing there we go Okay, so let me let me ask you this though. What do you think we should have learned? This is this is my point. We should not be using the news as a medium for teaching us about these characters, which is why we we watch these shows. I mean, who sits down and watches Breaking Bad and wishes, you know what? I want Bob Odenkirk to just walk around in a circle for an hour and not tell me why he's doing it. I want Aaron Paul to just jump in a car, go down that road, and go away, and we never see what's happening, and the camera stays there, and he comes... No, we want to stay with these characters and learn about them and enjoy their ongoings. We, with the newsroom, when they do things like this, where they decide, instead of doing that with our characters, to to, to shift the importance from our characters to the actual news, which is... While I'm not trying to lower the importance of such events, okay, I, I, I know I might be coming off that way, but that's not what I mean by this. When we're shifting, making that shift of importance to the actual news, which is how old at this point, we're giving a disservice to what this show should be, which is, guess what? A television show. I mean, we, we've spoken tidbits here and there about Aaron Sorkin being relatively preachy. And, I mean, how preachy do you have to be to to give me 40 minutes of complete American sentiment? And, I mean, I think think my favorite bit of this whole Osama Bin Laden subplot, as you put it, is there's this one tiny moment when we go outside to see Neil's girlfriend sitting outside in the in the cold and we find out that she had some relation that was in the that that was affected by the actual 9/11 attack and all she has to say is i thought it would make me feel better it would be like a switch and it's what i've said years over and over again whenever i would talk to my friends about things like general revenge or the death penalty what you think you want is not going to make you feel better. You think it is, but it's not. So the fact that this thing has happened, it doesn't take away what happened before. So the fact that we're shifting such an importance and giving this in ridiculous sentiment is so insane to me. And worse, that they waste 40 minutes on this show on it makes no fucking sense. And, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I said it before we started recording. I apologize in advance to all, everyone out there who's thinking that I'm in some form of negative side to the argument of Osama Bin Laden. I'm not, right? I'm just arguing for the sake of the show, of entertainment. All right. I'm, I'm going to get to some of what you said uh, in, in a little bit. I think we might be on the same page but in a completely different way. But but first, Gwen, what did you think of how they handled this? Do you agree with Andrew? Was it, was it a mistake for them to, you know, a, a, attempt to um, show this? Or was there a problem in the execution? Or did you think that it was handled pretty well overall? My problem is that I have the same issue with, with, with this episode, spending so much time in the, you know, dealing with the news. Every And it's, 
an issue that I've, I've still breaking my kind of like understanding that the show is about their the reporting on, on real events that have happened in the last 18 months to us. But my problem with this is we spent too much time with the news. Just like a, a few episodes previous, we spent way too much time on personal life issues. I think it was this episode with the revolving women. And then all of a sudden stuff went down. And it was like very, very jarring. And I feel like that was very much like this, where they tried to put personal stuff into it. Like the balance just isn't right. I don't think that this episode had the right amount of balance. I know that it's important to focus on on the death of Obama, or not Obama, excuse me. Remember, Obama good, <laughs> Osama bad. Yes, Obama is good. So how many cookies have you had tonight? Yeah. I've had a lot of cookies, you guys. I was in California. Cookies are plenty. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, it's just the balance issue. I think that there's like little things about it that are just not right. Like you should focus on it, but at the same time, it also felt a little contrived. Like it felt a little bit like Stormkin was being like, don't forget in November, Obama's up for second reelection. And it just kind of felt a little too preachy, which I think is a problem that the show has anyway. And I kind of just tuned out at some of the points too. And the, especially bringing up Neil's girl, you know, the girlfriend issue or when Don was on the plane and is screaming and then, and then look and realizes that these are flight attendants on an airplane that crashed and that was, you know, taken over and the United airplane. It's like, Oh, well, you don't need to like hit me over the head with it. I, I get that it affects everybody in different ways. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I was not very happy with, how they handled the, the, the subplot involving Osama. It, it, it's weird because I actually wish that there was more Sorkin preaching. I don't think this was Aaron Sorkin preaching about anything. I think this was Aaron Sorkin just basically going, wasn't that a great day? Wasn't that a great <laughs> moment? Let's just sit back and remember how great that was. And that did not work for me. You know, I, I wanted them to approach the situation in a more intellectual way and a more multifaceted way. I, I wanted some more dialogue about it, some actual conversation about what happened beyond, mm-hmm. oh, this happened and yay, we're happy. I, I agree with you, Andrew. The The best scene was that scene when Kaylee is out on the balcony and she reveals that, you know, she, she, she still isn't happy and she doesn't feel vindicated at all in the fact that bin Laden was killed. Because that's the only time in which we get another perspective. I feel like by structuring the episode in a way that the president's announcement comes at the end, it was actually doing a, a, a disservice to the event itself and its impact. Because as soon as that announcement was made, the internet and everybody was talking about it, and it wasn't all just, this is a good thing. I think as Americans, we, we, we felt pretty positive about it overall, but there was a lot of debate as to, you know, did we need to kill him? Could we have captured him? Uh, was it the right thing to do to send in a team covertly, you know, across another country's borders to do this? And th- there was some debate about whether or not it was a good thing. Um, and I feel like yeah. that Sorkin could really dive into that and 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 handle that in an interesting way. He's a talented writer, and I feel like he he, he could handle it in a way that would allow us to see some different sides from a lot of these characters that we haven't seen before but instead it was just kind of a very emotional nostalgic yay this was good and and he kind of left it at that i didn't get a chance to see the the trail the preview for next week's episode but that would be a very i mean if that was something like if it was a two-part episode where you actually got to have like the actual news portion of it and then the reaction portion of it and reporting on that news i'm, I'm sure sorkin wouldn't do something like that but that is a it would be such an, an a much more interesting way of approaching it. Absolutely. Well, one thing I want to ask you guys because I'm the non-American on this show, right? I I I have to sit here in fear of Navy SEALs breaking down my door as I'm saying things like this. When when an event like that happens, right? And I and I know what it meant, and I, I'm not 
saying anything bad about it. I'm I'm saying about the idea of the president coming up and literally saying we killed Osama bin Laden. And when you think about it, that act, the the act of him coming up and announcing it and taking taking responsibility for it is akin to any terrorist out there taking responsibility for what they did. Um, there are questions as to whether it was right to kill him, and I don't ask those questions mainly because I don't know the circumstances of the operation. I don't know if the operation was to capture and it turned into something else. I don't know. Do you guys ever think about that? Wow. Yes, actually. You know, as soon as that announcement was made, I was talking about it on Twitter. I was talking with people. We were kind of trying to figure out you know, how should we feel about this? And across the country, there were people everywhere celebrating and it was, it, it, it you know, almost rioting in some situations, you know, in college were you campuses. Were you watching it as it, were you like paying attention to Twitter as it was going on? Like, did you see The Rock's original posts and then like all that and then people were, yes, like they couldn't get a hold of Brian Williams and, and then were you watching up until he made the announcement? Yes, that was actually, I, I was actually about to go to bed mm-hmm. um, and, and then I saw something on Twitter like, oh, the president's going to make an uh, announcement about national security And then I was up, you know, just for a couple hours after that, just watching Twitter, watching the news, trying to figure out what was happening and and sort of watching the whole thing unfold. And it was it was really interesting, but it wasn't at least for me, it wasn't as black and white as Aaron Sorkin portrayed it in this episode. Yeah. Well, it's weird because I've always, I always, I remember when it was ha- when it happened, and I remember Brian Williams came out, and after they made the announcement, he came out, and he was like still tying his tie, and you know he had to drive an hour from Connecticut to get to the city to make the announcement, and I just remember being so fascinated by what that would be like, you know, what that would be like to be a news person and to be going to bed or be at a party or something, and I think that's what I think that's what Aaron Sorkin was trying to capture with this episode was showing that character being like just trying to live their own lives, and then all of that all of a sudden this happens, and you have to like react to it. And I think that he definitely, of course, missed an opportunity to talk about the underlying parts of it. But I don't even know if if they're waiting for news to come, if that's if even they were even thinking about that. They were probably just thinking, how do we break this news? Not what does this news mean? Right. And I think that's what was was disappointing to me about the episode. You know, while it was interesting to see them, you know, trying to confirm it and trying to predict what the announcement was going to be. And then having that knowledge, for example, with, with Don and Elliot and Sloan on the plane, having that knowledge and, you know, not knowing if they should tell people or not and having to keep it a secret, that was interesting to me. But I, I wanted them to talk about the meaning. I, I wanted them to talk about the significance. And for I, I wanted some good old-fashioned Sorkin arguing, you know, about what that meaning is because I still think that – it, it is a gray issue in a lot of ways, and I think that there are a lot of interesting, diverse opinions to be heard about it. And whereas Sorkin is usually very quick to let you know exactly what he thinks about an issue and you know why he thinks it's important, and he's not afraid to get up on his, his soapbox, here he kind of just sat back, and it, 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 I, I kind of wanted him to, put to, to go back to what he does best. Yeah, I guess maybe he felt like the most respectful way of doing it was to not put himself into it in a way. I I guess so, but at the same time, I kind of feel like, you know, he he he's on HBO. It's been 11 years almost since 9/11. The time for worrying about quote-unquote respect. I I I think we can start at this point to really kind of explore these issues in a non-emotional way. Mm-hmm. And that was what most let me down about the episode. But if, I, I don't know, Andrew, do you think there should have been more preaching? Or it kind of sounds like you just feel like they should have avoided it altogether. I mean, thinking about it now, I feel the best course of action would have been for them to have ignored this topic completely. 
Because when you think about it, the show, as we've seen, is seven episodes in. They've covered a year. And there's so many topics they could have picked to go with that wouldn't needed to have had this level of sentiment that Sorkin or probably any of the execs at HBO would have been too afraid to have a reasonable discussion about. Because I'm, I'm willing to buy that. I'm willing to buy the idea that Sorkin said, look, this happened. We should probably bring this up. And he may have pitched a few ideas of how to create a discussion about it, a reaction to it. But the, no one wanted to touch it because it's such a sacred moment in modern American history. I'm willing to buy that, but there's so many other issues. I'm pretty sure um, this is set May 1st. I'm pretty sure that they're not going to be covering the Tottenham riots that happened two months later. Two weeks later, actually. And that was massive in England. That was a massive idea. That was something that happened, and it's insane. Yeah, but they're also not touching anything that doesn't happen in America, except for this, they, you know. They had the Cairo Revolution, the Egyptian Revolution. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I love how this show just, like, things just happen, and I forget about them. <laughs> but, then, but then again, it, it, uh, while, while uh, I think you, you had the right guess there, Gwen, it is true. American stations don't cover anything other than American news. And the only reason they did Cairo, really, was because they lost Elliot. And because and because um, Sorkin wanted to reference Rudy. <laughs> Rudy, such a ridiculous episode. It, it's sort of been interesting to watch in the years following nine eleven how that event and how everything after that event has been portrayed in pop culture. And I think you know, even though it's only even though it's been eleven years, I think it's still something that's very, very, very sensitive. It's something that's going to take 25, 30, 40 years for people to find, you know, to be able to kind of look at it the way that we look at World War II movies. Right. That could be true. Um, and I have a horrible opinion on that, to be honest. <laughs> While I do think that we've reached a point where at least in movies, we can take a more clinical, intellectual look at, 9-11 itself, I'm not sure when it comes to the killing of Osama bin Laden, if we're quite there yet. Um, it'll be interesting to see, because I, I know Catherine Bigelow has her new movie coming out about, you know, this this whole mission to, to get Osama um, mm -hmm. in SEAL Team 6. It'll be interesting to see how that portrays everything. That movie's gonna make billions of dollars. <laughs> Everyone in America will. is gonna go and watch that around six times, and just they're gonna they're gonna have the theme song from um, Team America playing in their head. <laughs> we'll see. Well, it it will be interesting to see if that film and you know other iterations and and other events in, in in pop culture that tackle this event, if it for a while it is just kind of yes, this happened. It, it was a good day for America, and let's just kind of celebrate it. Well, and our gut reactions could also be that this is the first time we've seen it fictional, you know, portrayed in a fictional way. Right. This is the first time. And so whatever is the first time, it's always going to be difficult. Like, you know, think about the first time you saw the, the trade towers after it happened. You were like, it's still very jarring to see it. Like they actually remove images of it for, for many, many, many years. I think that that could also be why our gut reaction is to be like, well, they should have done it this way or this way because there's no other this is the this is the benchmark there's no other thing to compare it to just yet that's a good point that's a good point I, I hadn't thought about that so it'll be interesting to see if this sort of sets the tone for what's to follow or if what comes afterwards is going to kind of be a reaction to this mm -hmm. um but so we'll have to wait and see regarding the specifics of the episode and, and how they handled the investigation into what happened and trying to get it confirmed. I, I, I kind of liked how there was that whole issue about, you know, do we need two sources? Can we announce it before the president announces it? That was interesting to me. It did feel a little bit convenient to me that someone just happened to be reading Twitter aloud and to pick up on the, the rocks tweet and then Charlie to put that together. That seemed a little bit convenient to me, but then again, many convenient things frequently happen <laughs> on this show. 
So I mean, we can just talk about the beginning first episode of it was just convenient that they had the right sources in the right places. You know, like that the show is just a whole playbook on convenience. Yes. Yes. Which is an issue in and of itself, I think, in terms of what Sorkin claims he wants to be doing versus what the show is actually doing. But uh, I don't know if we really have time to get into that. Is is there anything else that either of you would like to say about how the show handled this major subplot of the killing of Osama? Um, Anything you really liked? Anything you really disliked? The only way I think it could have been better is if Will had not worn pants. Because I like to think (laughs) of Brian Williams going into the office and not having enough time to put pants on. (laughs) And then making that incredible historic announcement yes. in his in his boxers. That that would have been amazing. But again, is it too is it quote too soon? <laughs> <laughs> that's how I imagine my Brian Williams, so I feel that's how Will McAvoy should be too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any any final thoughts from you, Andrew? Thank God the episode's over. <laughs> Well, I think that will wrap it up for this episode of Navigating the Newsroom. Uh, you can find this episode and more by going to www.filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes. Please uh, leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think. You can also email the show at navigatingnewsroom at filmgeekradio.com. Gwen, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Uh, where can people find more of you and your work? Um, you can find me at uh, twitter.com forward slash real vixen and also realvixen.com and that's like a film reel, not real real. <laughs> okay. Andrew, where can people find you? Um, they can find me on Twitter at Gman Reviews. Um, if they follow me there, they'll see all links so all over the internet, which is all the interesting stuff I find that people should read, including maybe some stuff I write. All right. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writerandrew. I think that'll do it for this episode. Andrew, sign us off. Go and watch the Olympics, guys. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!